Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So today I want to talk about governments and why I believe they are not a big fan of others in general owning physical silver and gold. And this is probably not a new idea to many of you, the idea that the U.S. government or or the Indian government or whatever government we're talking about, not being a fan of individuals or other entities choosing to opt out of the broader financial system and instead buy physical silver and gold. And yet the reasons why, and there are many reasons, I believe, why this is the case, I haven't always been laid out. And that's what I want to try and do in this video today to give you guys some reasons as to why many different governments uh, uh, aren't a fan of, of, again, others owning silver and gold. Now, I can't say this is a case for every government or every element of each government, but I certainly believe that it is a case for many elements of the U.S. government, many Western governments in general. Um, certainly is a case for, for India, I believe, uh, where, where a very large proportion of households choose to save either through their, their house or equity in their house or whatever, or through physical precious metals. Um, even even a country like, like China, right, where, you know, there's some level of, of private ownership of, of precious metals. Um, even a country like that, you have to ask yourself, you know, is, is that really private in in a country like China, which is more or less a, a communist uh, country, which I believe would feel very comfortable seizing that if they felt uh, they they needed to, especially the the larger hordes of precious metals that may be held by some wealthier individuals within the country. So, you know, I, I think, and I can't say that this is a universal fact, but I believe that it is the case for many in government or just many in power in general, because the truth of the matter is that silver and gold give the individual some level of power or give the entity that owns them some level of power or liberty or freedom. In fact, I think that this this, this idea of, of discouraging the ownership of physical silver and gold even extends into the, the uh, financial media, right? I just read this article over the weekend. Um, I think that the channel Salvate Metal made a video on this recently. It was a CNN. Um, the title was like, how much silver and gold should you own? And, and they had a discussion of, you know, why you'd get into silver and gold. Some really basic reasons, whatever. And then at the end, they're like... <laughs> You know, unless you want to be like Scrooge McDuck and buy the physical silver and gold, you're probably better off just buying the paper stuff, GLD or SLV. And it's just, you know, it's disappointing. In fact, I saw this article from Barron's I talked about recently on this channel talking about, you know, how gold performs in a hyperinflationary environment. And they basically said, you know, based on really faulty reasoning and evidence, it's not a good hedge against hyperinflation. And then they said, much better hedge is uh, tips, um, uh, treasury, uh, in basically uh, treasuries that, you know, the yield on them vary along with inflation. It's just like, no, that's 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 terrible, uh, misleading um, discouragement of, of owning physical silver and gold. So I want to get into these reasons. So I want to start off with uh, the individual and, and the fact that that individual freedom is increased by the ownership of physical silver and gold versus having your money in the you know, broader financial system, whether that's in a bank account, 
in a 401k or some sort of you know the stock market um, bond market etc now i think this is going to be the case going forward that if governments want to discourage the use of fiscal silver and gold, they, they have to give some sort of a reason for it. Because the fact of the matter is that silver and gold have been money for you know thousands of years. And I think the reasons that they're going to, to use to discourage the use of it or, or otherwise limit the purchase or sale of silver and gold is going to be on the basis of a fear campaign. That you know, not unlike you know the sphere campaign surrounding cryptocurrencies that we've seen in the past, um, that silver and gold uh, are 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 tools of um, uh, the criminals that they're used for you know uh, at the most maybe innocent level tax evasion, but at the more serious side, uh, terrorism or drug trafficking, human trafficking, etc. Um, the truth of the matter is that just like a just like anything, um, like a like a vehicle or a gun or whatever, it's it's a tool that can be used for for good or bad. I mean, it's it's you know, silver and gold. They don't. It's up to the the user, the owner of of how they're going to be used. Um, but but truth of the matter is, that I don't think that's a really broad use of silver and gold. And they definitely can be used in other ways, right? They can be used either way, but they can be used in other ways. And you know, ultimately. They, they allow the individual to hold their wealth outside of the system, outside of the reach of, of governments or financial institutions, you know, unless they want to you know, break down your door or something like that. And at the individual level, just you or I doing that, that's not that big of a deal. But when you have it as a, as a broader segment of the population, again, going back to a country like India, um, that can seriously hamper a, a government's attempts to um, project power or project control over the population. Um, and even getting into the next point that I'll be making here in a second, um, it also damages the financial system. It, it, it makes it somewhat less stable when they have that option to always go back to silver and gold if they feel their, their bank account or the stock market or something is, is too risky or something like that. And that is the next point here is the financial system. So, so individual freedom. I can go on a lot longer about that as to why individuals have more freedom by doing what I would call carrying out their own monetary revolution, opting out of currencies, opting out of the stock market, etc., to some extent, into physical silver and gold, uh, wealth that's held outside of the system, no current party risk, etc. But the financial system as well, I think, benefits, not in a good way, but benefits off of people holding their wealth within the system, again, whether it's bank accounts or what, whatever. Uh, I mean, greater participation among the broader population, I think, means greater profits for those at the top, whether it's you know, stock brokers or brokerage companies, or for those that that hold the vast majority of uh, stock out in the markets or, or real estate or bonds or whatever, that they are the ones that primarily have the greater profit because of that. Um, I think that ultimately leads to a larger wealth disparity. Um, also, it, um, by by discouraging the use of physical silver and gold, or even the idea of using them. Um, it gives people fewer choices. There, there's, I guess, what you'd consider more stability. Now, not real stability, but but it because the the, the financial system I think is inherently in unstable in, in its current form. And yet, if you have less risk of things like bank runs or people withdrawing, a lot of people withdrawing their their money from retirement accounts or or just getting out of the stock market altogether, that adds this kind of false. Stability, stability because of, of of fewer choices out there, 
right? And yet, if we lived in a society where it was commonplace for people to well, worry about what's going on in the stock market, the the financial system, their their bank, their local bank or national bank, and decide that maybe they should take some money off the table and, and put it into physical silver and gold. I think it'd be a very different picture that, that, they, that, that the likelihood of bank runs or, or stock market crashes or, or whatever, um, less you know, manipulation, I guess, or less uh, unrealistic valuations, that, that would be much more common, which is not a bad thing. I mean, you might be thinking like a bank run is not necessarily a bad thing, or you might be thinking that it's a, it is a bad thing, but what I'm saying here is that it's not. I mean, a bank run occurs in the first place because of some bad practices, right? Fractional reserve banking system that, you know, for, for every million dollars that a bank holds, they might only have $100,000 or $10,000, whatever, banking on the fact that only a small percentage at any given time is going to decide to withdraw their money. Uh, I think, you know, personally, uh, I'm not a fan of cash in the sense that I'm not a fan of the fiat. That, that it basically represents or is. And yet, you know, I think that this war on cash along with this war on precious metals is a goal for, you know, governments to not have any choice to withdraw, right? They'd prefer that it's always within the system because then the, that type of risk is almost out the window, right? Um, let, let's make sure that these financial, and again, this is not an endorsement. I shouldn't say it again because I haven't said this yet. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease in this video but it's not an endorsement of cryptocurrencies as a whole but i think they'd also prefer that most financial institutions not allow you to buy uh, cryptocurrencies in large amounts right or use some other regulations to to regulate that type of stuff because they prefer that you're, you're forced to keep it in your bank account in your retirement account etc and they're not really to be another option another choice right um and i think that's a big part of the war on cash war on silver and gold is because then you have no choice uh, you, you see it over in India, right? It wasn't that long ago that they actually be, uh, demonetized some of their larger denominated bills. And again, they used it for tax evasion reasons or whatever, which, you know, there, there might have been some truth to it. But again, I mean, I, I think it gets, goes down to the fact that a lot of people just, you know, don't trust the banking system in India or don't trust the financial system or otherwise would prefer to keep their money outside of the system. I mean, when it comes to silver and gold, it makes perfect sense in a country like India. It makes sense in, in the U.S. as well. Um, but in a country like India, they, they experience much greater devaluation of their uh, currency, um, you know, as of the last couple decades, at least, um, e- even greater than the United States has, I believe. Um, and, and, and it's kind of a no-brainer, right? If you want to preserve this over a long time, put it into um, something that's going to preserve that wealth. Um, but again, the financial system, I think there's a lot of incentive to get a gri- greater participation among the greater population, and especially those big um, you know, holders of, of fiscal silver and gold, right? People that might not even be watching this video, uh, but, but the people that are owning uh, gold by the, by the bar or the brick, right? People that own silver by the you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of ounces, right? Uh, those types of people. Um, 
or even governments, right? Uh, large financial institutions. Uh, reason number three is, is currency reason. Now, this is, I, I don't want to say a bit of a no-brainer, but this is the one that maybe is quoted most often as to why governments don't like silver and gold or don't like other people. I mean, the truth of the matter, I think, is, is that governments, central banks, etc., they realize the inherent value of silver and gold, and that's why they don't want other people to own them if they want to preserve as much power for themselves as possible. So absolutely, I think they acknowledged the value of them, right? What was it when, when I think it was Ben Bernanke was asked by uh, what, Ron Paul, maybe, why, you know, the U.S. government still has gold. And, and he said, I think it's, you know, like tradition or something like that. And it's, no, that's absolutely not true. I mean, he realizes that gold is, va- I mean, maybe Ben Bernanke individually. I don't know. Maybe he sees no value in holding it. But, but I think that he does. He realizes how valuable that is, and, and, and how important of a hedge that is for his, um, you know, country to to hold that gold. You know, if the United States actually has it, you know, um, it's. I mean, it's they, they realize the, the importance of it. But getting into currencies, um, this one's quoted often as to why they don't like other people owning so, uh, silver and gold versus fiat currency, um, and I think it really gets down to to the fact that. You know, as individuals or countries or corporations decide not to use a given currency, that that weakens that currency. I mean, look at the U.S. dollar uh, post World War II. Um, you know, post uh, Bretton Woods or or post um, uh, creation of the petrodollar system, uh, we, we've benefited a ton. I mean, it's hard to to really explain just how much we've benefited from it, but we've benefited a ton from dollar strength, from dollar reputation, from broad usage of the dollar for oil trade, for trade as a whole around the globe, the fact that many countries and central banks hold uh, the dollar as a uh, reserve currency in, in their uh, currency reserves and whatnot. I mean, the, it's, it's hard to, I mean, it cannot be understated just how important this has been for the U.S. dollar and for the U.S. empire as a whole. And so when you see countries like China try and diversify, whether it's yuan trade or trade with, with Russia and their own native currencies or with India or whatever, um, it may be small and, and maybe the alt media is making too big of a deal out of it. It's hard to say, but that is a threat to U.S. dominance, right? That's a, you know, even if you see uh, the euro, which you know, think the U.S. and EU being buddies, but when, when, when you see like the EU trading with Iran for their oil in euros versus the dollar, that's a threat to the dollar system, right? And, and this is a tool we've used to not only strengthen ourselves, but also a tool we've used as a, I don't know, tool of quote-unquote diplomacy against other countries. Oftentimes it's more of a trade war, currency war that we've used um, our, our leverage over the financial system, partly because of the dollar and because of the strength of our economy, to weaken other countries, whether this is placing sanctions on countries like Russia or Iran or Venezuela or other countries, or restrict their use of something like the SWIFT system, um, etc. Doing that can you know, weaken their position economically, right? And if you weaken a country's uh, economic position, you're, you're you're going to be weakening their their overall geopolitical strength, but but of course this extends into beyond you know these these country wide this geopolitical which I'll get to here in a second, but beyond these geopolitical issues this extends into just the individual um, individuals choosing to use silver and gold and, and save in that versus currency that you know it may seem like a small not that big of a deal when it you know we're talking about us you know 
buying a couple ounces of silver or gold, you know, maybe probably more than that, but uh, at least with silver. But, you know, on a broader scale, you know, basically what we're doing is trading our dollars for a physical asset. Uh, we are, you know, selling it, right? We're, we're increasing supply in the system. I mean, by, by default, I mean, that is, you know, weakening. I mean, that's how other countries uh, defend their own currencies. Let's say you have a country like China and, and they're seeing their, their, uh, their yuan uh, lose value too much versus the dollar. What are they going to do? They're going to, you know, sell uh, dollars by the yuan, or they're going to sell U.S. Treasuries and buy the yuan to um, increase demand of their own currency and, and increase supply of the other, right? And that, that's how you defend into currency. That's how you increase uh, the, the exchange rate or, or decrease it, whatever way you're looking at it, uh, strengthen it first in another currency. And, and, and the same thing happens on an individual scale. When you're buying physical silver and gold, you're essentially increasing the supply of silver and gold. Not really, but, but you know, Otherwise, where would it be? It'd be in your pocket, in your bank account, or something like that, not being used. And you're, um, you know, in essence, uh, decreasing the supply or increasing the demand of the physical silver and gold. I mean, that's what you're doing. Uh, you're doing what these foreign central banks do on a much smaller level. And yet, if you see uh, this become a widespread act, that that can, you know, do some damage to a, a given currency. Again, whether we're talking about the dollar. Or the rupee or some other currency. Finally, and I already talked about this a bit, but geopolitical reasons. Just like the individual has more power, freedom, liberty, etc., by owning silver and gold, I think a foreign nation that does that, that stockpiles gold, which is primarily what they do stockpile, at least that we know about, give themselves more leverage, more power, more, more, I guess, freedom or liberty versus um, a country that's trying to to project power over them. So, of course, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the U.S. Uh, versus, you know, uh, China or Russia or, you know, another country as well, Iran or or Turkey or Venezuela or maybe in the past uh, Libya or something along those lines that, that if China and Russia are buying gold, they are, yes, removing themselves from the dollar system, et cetera, et cetera, to some extent, Um you know, may not be as true with with something like that, since they're just buying it with rubles or buying it with yuan. But but they are, um, you know, hedging hedging against economic war, sanctions, currency war, um, and 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 you know, you also have to ask yourself, especially the country like Russia, which I think is in a, it's hard to say, they don't have the same debt problems that China has. You know, maybe they realize that that much of the world, including China, is based on a debt. Uh, uh, what, what does Chris Dwayne say? A debt-based fiat Ponzi scheme, right? That this only can go on for so long and they're you know, getting ready to move on to some other system or otherwise just hedge against what's coming in the future. You know, Is that a part of why Russia and China and others, India, um, are stacking so much gold? And, and I think that's absolutely uh, the case. I think it puts them in a much better position over the long run, it, it protects themselves against currency or financial tools. Uh, again, uh, excluding them from the SWIFT system or placing sanctions on a country or whatever. Um, these tools of, of quote unquote diplomacy, it protects them against that, right? And you even have to ask yourself, you know, it, with, with the size of the holdings of some of these countries. Now, Russia, I think, is is over maybe over two thousand tons officially listed. Uh, China, I don't think, is over that yet, and yet. Uh, in reality, I think they, they the number here quoted 
as a whole, I think this is from Lewis from Small Gold, is probably somewhere north of 20,000 tons of gold. Um, that's uh, I'm talking about tons here. Um, India, uh, I think, is comparable, maybe even more. Um, that type of, of uh, holdings, you got to ask yourself, if you have a situation where gold goes on a run and, and increases, I don't know, 50%, um, let's just say, you know, nice round number, from 1,300 to 2,000. In terms of, of purchasing power, not just because of weakness of, of the dollar, because that doesn't matter, a t- it, it matters, but but the value of that gold hasn't really gone up, or the purchasing power hasn't. But let's say the purchasing power does because of a huge influx of, of demand, because of popularity, because of all these reasons I've talked about in, up to this point. What is that going to do for these countries? I mean, think of, of what, a, uh, I guess, a, a boon for them that would be for their gold to buy so much more that would increase their their power their the, the leverage that they have i guess in the future uh, their their financial position as a whole now i mean again like in a country like china they, they hold a ton of gold and by a ton i mean again probably north of twenty thousand tons they also have a lot of debt a lot of debt that has increased very rapidly over the last 10 years and so you got to ask you know just how important is that gold going to be in the future to be seen but it's better than not having it right uh you know somebody commented the other day why won't a government just print money to buy silver and gold and it's a great question why not right um if you know that everything else is heading in that direction why not you know print a couple extra billion or 100 billion and, and buy some gold buy some silver etc and i you know i don't want to say that's exactly what china's doing but it's better to own it than not to own it just like they're 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 um you know the their uh, infrastructure programs in their own country. Now those are eventually going to to lose uh, value as they age. But but even their investments overseas, whether it's buying like entire ports in some foreign countries or otherwise making connections. Now those types of things are have a good chance of outlasting. You know some collapse of the yuan or some major decline in their own uh, economy or currency. Um, and 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 again, I think silver and gold can can aid themselves in a similar way uh, particularly gold talking about at the national level so i, I think this is a you know i, I don't want to say it's a comprehensive list because it's not and, and in fact if anything i'd like you guys to add to it down below in the comment section other reasons as to why governments don't like others in general governments individuals etc owning silver and gold let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section let me know what you think of this video or this podcast as well as always I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, truly from the bottom of my heart, for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.